0: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Friday to you and yours. Uh, We've had a great week of show and we're going to stick the landing. Today is going to be incredible. Uh, I'm going to light a fire and I'm going to try to burn the whole house down. I want you to take a second, though, because before I set the fire, I'm going to You know, do a little warm up act. We're going to bring on uh, Jake Beckett, former New England Patriots uh, football player, uh, now running for the Senate in Arkansas. Uh, But he was in New England uh, when Brian Flores was an assistant coach and working in the Patriots organization. So we'll get Jake's take on Brian Flores and what's going on with him in the NFL and the lawsuit. Uh, We'll start there and just kind of warm things up, and then I'm going to let Jake go, and I'm going to start a blaze, a fire, like that you won't believe. I'm going to end the week on the strongest note possible, Uh, and then we'll go to the smartest man on the show, Delano Squires. He's written a column about uh, Brian Flores and his use of the analogizing the NFL to a slave plantation, and so we'll hear from Uh, Delano Squires on that. Uh, Shamika Michelle will join us. Uh, We'll talk about Nick Cannon's eight kids. And uh, Shamika also, I think, has some thoughts on the documentary about Bill Cosby on Showtime that I'm going to watch this weekend, but Shamika's going to, you know, warm me up and tell me what to expect. Uh, So we'll have that, Delano, Shamika. Of course, we'll end the show with Uncle Jimmy coming in to tell us how we all did and Uh, Uncle Jimmy requested this approval rating on ESPN's Ryan Clark. Uh, (laughs) Uncle Jimmy ended yesterday's show on a pretty strong note, basically telling Ryan Clark and other athletes, hey, cut it out with these uh, plantation analogies. Uh, Show me your back. (laughs) So I think uh, Uncle Jimmy has more he wants to say on Ryan Clark, and so we'll do an approval rating on Ryan Clark, Uh, but without further ado, Let's roll out to uh, Jake Beckett, who I believe is in Arkansas. He's, a, he's also a former U.S. Army Ranger. I mentioned him playing with the uh, New England Patriots, but actually he's the U.S. Army Ranger. I think that's probably his highest accomplishment. Jake, uh, welcome to the show. And if my memory serves me right, in the NFL, did you play defensive end and then tight end for the New England Patriots?
1: That's right. Defensive end, tight end. I was more of a utility player. You know, as you know, Jason, the league, if you're not a starter, you're a special teams player, first and foremost. So that was my main role. Um, but thanks for having me on the show. Big fan, uh, you know, huge fan of what you've been doing.
0: Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show and joining us. And it's very interesting. You played for the Patriots. And during the time when Brian Flores was an assistant coach for Bill Belichick, and so I wanted your your general thoughts of Brian Flores. What did you think about him when you were uh, a member of the Patriots football organization?
1: Yeah, first and foremost, you know, I th- this story and the narrative surrounding it has just gotten completely out of control and ridiculous. And most of what I've seen out there in the mainstream media and ESPN, all the shows that Flores has been doing, has just been totally. Uh, totally false, quite quite frankly. And look, I, I was a player in New England when Flores was an assistant coach. I mean, look, he's a pretty smart guy. Everyone could tell he had a bright future as a coach in the league. And, you know, it's really it's disturbing and it's a disgrace to see him throw everyone under the bus, including coach Bill Belichick, who, I mean, you know, Flores, he he had only coached under one head coach in the NFL. He was with the Patriots for a number of years before he got the Miami job, Belichick was his mentor. You know, he rose through the ranks in New England on his merit. Um, and look, it, it, it's it's really shocking and disturbing to see these allegations because it's just it's totally insane, and it's not at all my, my experience with the Patriots, uh, my experience with Coach Belichick, and my experience with sports and the NFL in general.
0: Tell me this. So, you were very impressed with Brian Flores, though, as an assistant coach with the New England Patriots. You you thought he had a bright future.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a good assistant coach. You know, he coached sec- uh, the secondary mostly during my tenure, and then he later became uh, the linebacker's coach before he got hired by Miami. I mean, he was a pretty sharp X's and O's guy. Um, you know, I'd say he was pretty intelligent. I mean, we, we always had a good relationship um, you know, I, I thought he had a, a generally a pretty good rapport with the players. You know, there were some warning signs. I mean, look, I, I supported his hiring in Miami um, when he got hired by the Dolphins. But I remember, you know, he was, you know, there, uh, on at least one occasion, he would you know, try to fight one of my teammates during a film session. We all saw, you know, after one of the Dolphins games, he was trying to fight everybody on the field after one of those games. And so, you know, maybe maybe that was, uh, you know, kind of a sign of what was to come, because this lawsuit is frankly insane. I mean, it's just, it's totally insane. It's its not representative um, of, of the hiring practices in the league. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, just on its face, okay, he's saying the NFL is racist. The hiring process is racist. He was just the head coach of the Miami Dolphins for three years. He was fired by a black general manager in Miami. Miami has, um, you know, one of the most racially diverse organizations in the National Football League, maybe the most racially diverse organization uh, in, in terms of the front office in the National Football League, and now he's trying to call the Dolphins racist, the NFL racist, Bill Belichick part of a racist system when Belichick essentially took him from a defensive analyst, gave him job after job, mentorship for over a decade, and then launched him into his opportunity in Miami, where look, he did a decent job. Okay, he had a couple of decent seasons, but in the NFL, if you're not spectacular, as a player or a coach, you get fired. I know. I got fired twice. Okay? So it's it, it, it's not a race issue. It's a performance issue. And Flores, he would have had other opportunities. I mean, he might have been hired as a head coach in this offseason if, if he didn't decide to just, you know, light himself on fire and sue the NFL for racial discrimination. I mean, it, it, it's upsetting. It's ridiculous. And, and just to see what's being portrayed out there in the mainstream press – It's just, it it, it makes me very angry.
0: Listen, you've gone on in life. You're 32 years old now. You've joined the military. Now you're running for political office. I don't know how close you stay in contact with any of your former Patriots teammates, but have you talked to any former NFL players who kind of share your befuddlement with what's going on with uh, Brian Flores?
1: Yes. And, you know, I think that's probably for me one of the most frustrating things. Look, I get it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm running for political office. You know, I, I'm someone who I, I've never been shy about voicing my opinions. I, I think a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're scared and they're they're scared of retribution uh, from the league. They're scared of, uh, you know, retribution uh, in their later careers. You know, a lot of these guys who are on NFL rosters, you know, they want to get into um, they want to get into analysis. Um, you know, on the TV or radio networks after their football careers are over and they're worried about being blackballed and, and you know, perhaps justifiably so. But, you know, it, 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 until we break out of that cycle of fear in this country, nothing is going to change because, you know, what I call leftists, the left, the people who are trying to push this evil ideology, they only care about power. It's not about fairness. It's, it's not about, you know, even equality of outcome. It's about who's in charge, who's calling the shots. And, you know, as long as we keep cowering in fear and hiding under our desks, then, you know, nothing is ever going to change until we start pushing back.
0: Jake, I'm sure your opinion, uh, no more or less informed, although you played in New England uh, when Brian Flores was an assistant coach. But some people will hear you say, hey, this isn't about race. He hasn't been treated in a racist fashion. And their first. Question would be, well, Jake, how do you know? Were you there in Miami? Were you there in, on his interview with the New York Giants? Uh, again, I, I'm not disagreeing with your take. I don't think it's any more or less informed, or, or actually, it's more informed than a lot of people's because you actually know Brian Flores and got to be around him a little bit. But what, what would you say to Brian Flores who would probably say, hey, man, how do you know how I was treated?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, in on planet Earth. Right. I mean, people are going to get an unfair shake in certain situations. I mean, Brian Flores isn't the first person to go into a job interview drawing dead. Right. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. And, you know, instead of just, you know, kind of sucking it up and going on to the next thing, just hitting the next button, you know, uh, too many people have just you know started to, to get on the path of, of racial resentment. And that's why, you know, I think this, this whole situation, as it keeps blowing up is kind of becoming into a, a Colin Kaepernick 2.0 situation, because look, I, I think there are some similarities. I mean, Kaepernick, you know, he was, you know, he lost his starting job not because of his race it's because his performance started to drop off. And, you know, instead of, you know, trying to correct his own game, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, Hey, what can I do better? You know, how can I improve myself as a quarterback and a teammate, um, you know, an NFL player, you know, I, I'm just gonna just decide that there's some other reason, uh, totally outside of my control, uh, and it has to be racism. And look, it, it, as long as that cycle, that, that insidious cycle continues, um, then we're just gonna keep going down this path, and it's 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 not a good path.
0: You left the NFL in 2015, Colin Kaepernick took a knee in 2016. It seems like the NFL and professional sports uh, got really hyper-partisan and political right at the end of your career. It it, it seems like these politics, when during you were in New England from 2012 to 2015, four years with the Patriots, it, it seems like it's a completely different league than perhaps the one you left.
1: Exactly. And that's why I think I have a good perspective on these things because what I'm seeing now is in no way representative of the NFL that I left and really just my, my whole experience with sports and my entire life. I mean, that, that's why, and I've said this on the campaign trail again and again, I mean, that's why, uh, you know, the, the America as a country, we've always, we've always had a special connection with sports. You know, because I think sports traditionally has represented some of the best American values, right? Hard work, meritocracy, people from different backgrounds coming together and striving towards a common goal, just elite, top-level performance. I mean, that's why America has always revered sports, and I would also argue the military, because the the military, until the Obama administration started to politicize it, turned it into a social justice experiment, the military also represented those same values. And and I've got both of those perspectives in my, in my life story. And so I think I can speak with confidence on these things and I can, I can wave the flag and and call this stuff out when it starts to go the opposite direction, because it certainly has, I mean, what I see in the NFL now is just, it's totally foreign. I mean, I I just, I can't even, I can't even hardly watch it. It makes me sick.
0: Jake, I want to thank you for your time. You did an excellent job. I hope you'll come back on the show. Uh, We'd love to hear some more about your political campaign. You wanna be a a U.S. Senator. Gonna wish you luck on that, and we're gonna hopefully, again, bring you back on the show another time when we don't have to talk about Brian Flores and your time with the New England Patriots. Thank you so much. All right, listen. Jake just did a great job of warming us up. (laughs) I'm going to set a fire after. I tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. The truth hurts sometimes, but America, we have a problem, and that problem is with our meat. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores and online is imported from overseas. You're paying a premium for imported goods that don't even get USDA graded. That's why you should get all of your beef, chicken, and seafood from Good Ranchers, 100% American company. Good Ranchers delivers steakhouse quality to your door. Good Ranchers is here to solve our meat problems in America. We love them here at Fearless, and you will love them in your home as well. Check out GoodRanchers.com today, and when you use my promo code FEARLESS at checkout, you will save $25 off and get free express shipping. Head on head on over to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless today to have delicious American meals on your table. Order now with the code FEARLESS to get $25 off your box. Now is the time to support American farms and ranchers. They're hurting and you're hungry. Solve both of those problems with a box of American meat. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless. Good ranchers. America's meat delivered. Support good ranchers because they support me, you, and our way of thinking. All right. (laughs) When I, my best fire of the week and maybe my best fire ever. Next. All right, welcome back. Oh God, I hope I pull this fire off. I hope I don't go down in this blaze that I'm about to set. Buckle up, get ready, uh, some of this is scripted, some of it's unscripted. I hope when I go off script I don't blow myself up in the process, but who knows what's going to happen because I- I'm going to try to put an exclamation on my thoughts about this Brian Flores fiasco. All right, let's 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 ask the obvious question as it relates to Brian Flores. Discrimination lawsuit against the NFL, the New York Giants, Denver Broncos, and Miami Dolphins. Here's the obvious question. Has Flores damaged the job prospects and work relationships of his black coaching peers? Ponder that for a second. Has he damaged the job prospects and work relationships of his black coaching peers? No doubt. Brian Flores is a hero to Nate Burleson, Mike Greenberg, Stephen A. Smith, L. Duncan, Ryan Clark, Shannon Sharp, and countless other blue check sports media figures whose job is to goad and then celebrate emotional and non-strategic behavior from black men. Flores is following in the footsteps of Colin Kaepernick, George Floyd, and Jacob Blake. He's acting as an emotional trigger, a justification for chaos, animus, and protest. On Thursday, former NBA star Chris Bosch vowed to quit watching NFL games until the league hires more black coaches and general managers. But will they? I mean, have we thought about that? Will they hire more based off the behavior of Brian Flores? Dolphins owner Stephen Ross ran the blackest organization in the NFL. At one time, his head coach, general manager, assistant general manager, defensive coordinator, and several members of his celebrity ownership group, they were all black. What what, what was the reward for running the blackest organization in the National Football League? For doing everything the black elite told Stephen Ross to do. What is his reward? Brian Flores' accusations against Ross could get Ross removed from the NFL ownership. Flores claims Ross offered him money to lose games in 2019 and that Ross tried to arrange an illegal meeting with a veteran quarterback under contract to another team. Brian Flores is a snitch. He snitched on the owner who followed the social justice Black Lives Matter playbook to a T. Flores also seemingly betrayed the mentor, Bill Belichick, who put him in position to rise to head coach. Belichick's accidental text messages seem to be the foundation for Flores' claim that the Giants treated him in a discriminatory fashion. Flores worked for one organization, the Patriots, before landing the head job with the Dolphins. In 2004, he landed a job as a scouting assistant with New England. He spent 15 years working for Bill Belichick. Flores' lawsuit could potentially force investigators to seek access to Belichick's cell phone records. Brian Flores' sense of entitlement to an NFL head coaching job has taken precedence over any sense of gratitude and loyalty toward the people who helped him land the Dolphins job, Belichick and Ross. They were part of the solution for Flores until the moment Flores decided they were part of the problem. Uh, Brian Flores was on NPR, I believe today or yesterday, and he just backed a bus up over Bill Belichick. Take a listen
2: for yourself. What cemented your decision? You say you were back and forth. Mm-hmm. What got you over that hump? Um, well, it was a text message uh, from from Bill Belichick um, that con- con- confirmed a lot of the things that um, you know I believed were going on um, for you know blacks minorities um, in the hiring process that um, interviews that you know, blacks and minorities were going on were um, you know we weren't getting a true opportunity in those interviews uh, to showcase our abilities you know and me personally to showcase my abilities um, so to walk into a, a an interview where um, a decisions already been made um, you know, That that was that's what that was the tipping point for me It's interesting that bill will be in the know mm-hmm. to that degree. Why do you think that is again? I think I do think that there are uh, Back channel conversations back channel meetings um, That are had that that oftentimes influence decisions and I think that's a clear example of that. Um, you know, here's Bill Belichick, and you know his his resume speaks for itself. He has influence, um, uh, so I think to me that that it was clear that that decision was was made um, with 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 his influence, and that's part of the that's part of the problem, um, and that's that's that needs to change um, there needs to be a, a fair and equal opportunity um, to interview and um, and 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 showcase like I said before showcase your abilities to lead and um, earn one of those positions
0: Brian Flores is not very smart Th- this may- This man just said Bill Belichick's part of the problem, his influence, and that needs to stop. As if Bill Belichick's influence didn't play a role in him getting the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. And so now he's sitting here bitter because he's saying Bill Belichick didn't do enough to get him his second job. Bill Belichick, and again, I don't know, I don't think he had the work experience with Brian Dabo that he does with, uh, uh, Brian Flores, but basically Brian Flores just went on an interview with Jay Williams on NPR and said, Bill Belichick didn't use his influence to help me. He used it to help Brian Dabo as it relates to the New York Giants. Screw Bill Belichick. He shouldn't have influence. That's the problem. Unless people use their influence to help me, that's the problem. This guy... My favorite TV show, The Wire. My favorite character, Omar Little, most people's favorite character on there. He had a statement about, a man's gotta have a code. Brian Flores has no code. And neither do the people championing Brian Flores. This is some of the most despicable, reprehensible, disloyal shit I have ever seen. Again, I I guess y'all, well, he only owes loyalty and respect to black people. He's black and so he only owes loyalty and appreciation and gratitude to other black people. Bill Belichick, they put him on the map The only coach, the only organization he ever worked for that helped him get the Miami Dolphins job, he owes him nothing. Steven Ross, who gave him the job, who put together the blackest organization we've ever seen in the NFL, nah, I don't owe him a damn thing either. I'm not swallowing any of this, and all the little idiots over at ESPN and all across corporate media taking a dump on Stephen Ross and everybody's champion. Hey, we gotta get Stephen Ross out of here. He did everything that we say we want white ownership to do. But damn it, Brian Flores says he's mad at him now. Let's run him up out of here. We gotta fire Stephen Ross. That'll fix it. That'll make things better. This man and these idiots at ESPN are putting a clown suit on black men and black coaches. They're screaming to front and center. We have no code. We're loyal to nothing or no one. We only serve our own interests. We will back this bus up over any and everybody. <clears throat> and y'all think black coaches are going to benefit from this buffoonery, this disloyalty? Y'all think white owners, white coaches, are like, woo, boy. Damned if I do, damned if I don't. So why, why would I? These guys can hire and fire white coaches at the drop of a hat, and no one's ever gonna accuse them of being a racist. The Jacksonville Jaguars just hired Doug Peterson. They can fire him tomorrow. And Doug Peterson ain't gonna call him racist. He gonna take that money and look for his next opportunity. We have no code. We stand for nothing. This is embarrassing. This man is making a fool out of black coaches. He's not putting anybody in position to get a job. You think you don't have to swallow some shit in this life? I've talked about it endlessly. I did not like the way things went down with me and ESPN the last time I was there. Not at all. And there was white and black people participating in my sabotage. And you know what? They were trying to gold me into melting down and going off on everybody. The guy's name was John Kozner that was trying to gold me into melting down so that the Undefeated Project would never get off the ground. It's a bunch of unfair stuff that went on, but I'm not blowing it up. I don't even care if most of the people over at the Undefeated are cowards and don't have the brains enough to be thankful that I laid a foundation that benefits them to this day. I I, I honestly, do not care because the project was always bigger than me. And so I watched Bill Simmons burn down the Grantland thing on his way out the door and make it so that Grantland was going to be deceased when he left. He burned that to the ground to pleasure himself. I wasn't going to do it because I wanted those people even if I don't agree with them, even if I don't think their work is that great, I wanted them to have the opportunity. It was bigger than me. Brian Flores is acting like he's the biggest, baddest, most important. He's Harriet Tubman. He's Frederick Douglass. He's Martin Luther King. If he don't have a job, nobody can. <laughs> He's acted and behaved in the most selfish, entitled, ungrateful, disrespectful. I have no respect for any of it. And if we had a brain, if some of these other people on ESPN or Fox Sports or any black people that think they're champions for black people, if they had a brain, they would be calling this idiot out. He's no different than Colin Kaepernick. All that whining and crying Colin Kaepernick did and taking a knee and the national anthem and all, it led to nothing. Didn't help black people, it helped a bunch of elite football players built the NFL out of $100 million so they could, uh, we got the players coalition and we put out commercials uh, complaining about racism. These people ain't interested in black people. They're not interested in black progress. They're interested in whatever serves them. Oh, what can I get out of it? Can Anquan Bolden be the face of the players' coalition and run around and beat his chest? He ain't doing no work for nobody, not for real. He ain't doing nothing that's helping black people other than some elites. And that's all who's getting helped here. You got all these clowns on TV that love Brian Flores and what he's doing because it serves them. It gives them something to talk about. They ESPN rolled out this clown, Angela Rye. Do we have that clip? They roll out this clown, Angela Rye from CNN and throw her on TV like she's some type of sports expert. This ain't got... Nothing to do with black coaches. Why are y'all getting played and used by a group of idiots who don't give a damn about any of you, don't know anything about you, don't know what it takes to coach in the NFL? They're using you. Play the clip of Angela
3: Rock. How will this lawsuit
2: impact black coaches?
3: Well, I want to start with how it will impact the whole of America, not even just Black America. The fact that this lawsuit was filed on the first day of Black History Month, and um, the fact that he went ahead courageously and said, "I'm going to speak up for me." Uh, this morning, when he was on air, he talked about speaking up for his kids. Um, this was a courageous lawsuit, where he calls on the ancestors in point one of the complaint. He talks about Martin Luther King. There's a quote from Martin Luther King at the beginning: mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, Frederick Douglass, Jackie robinson and mamie till and we all know the historic nature of this year um, for jackie robinson the fact that the nfl is struggling to integrate everywhere else besides on stages during the halftime show and if you're not running the ball down the field that is highly problematic we're in 2022 where we've broken all types of barriers in this country and we are talking about a rule that has failed to fulfill the needs of black coaches coordinators, executives, GMs, it's failing. And at some point, they have to decide whether they're going to um, continue to engage in window dressing mm-hmm. or if they're going to ensure that this rule actually has real Turn my mic on, that- cut
0: her off. I, I can't take any more of Angela Rye. Just run it off at the mouth. I keep telling y'all about the African-American hookup. Angela Rye another one of the mulatto, uh, ESPN right now is running what I call the uh, ESPN AKA sorority. Angela Rye, Malika Andrews, uh, what's the other one? There's another one of the the, uh, L. Duncan, the brigade of light-skinned black women, the AKA ski-wee, do do y'all, Some of y'all, y'all don't know, Wee, AKA the sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, you had to be half white to be an AKA back in the day, and it still goes on to this day. It's the the super light skinned African American uh, sorority. Somebody over at ESPN, one of these executives, they don't like Deltas, they don't like uh, Zeta Phi Betas, they like uh, the Red Bones. You Stephen A, Dave Roberts, I don't know who it is over there. They've they, uh, they moved away from the Kari Champions and the Maria Taylors and every African-American woman uh, that was a former member of the AKA or is a member of the AKA or can say ski wheat, somebody over there got a little taste for them and they getting all the jobs over at ESPN. Doesn't matter if they know a damn thing about sports. What, what does Angela Rye know about the NFL? Has she, maybe she's dated some NFL players? She ain't even had to go through the little fake BS that Mina Kimes had to go through to get her NFL hookup. She had to write a couple of articles. But now Angela Rye is sitting on ESPN across from Stephen A. With Stephen A. batting his eyes. Mm. Looking like honey. This, this, these guys have no code. They're just running wild. This whole thing is a joke. And that's who, Brian Flores, if he had any type of cold, any type of comment, he, well, we know how Brian Flores gets down. Angela Rye ain't quite light-skinned enough for him, so maybe she has no interest for him. But he, he should be embarrassed that that's who's out here championing, running their mouth for him. Somebody that don't know a damn thing about the NFL, they put some talking points in front of her and just, just say racism, Angela, and look pretty on camera. And Stephen A, don't she look good? They high five it off, <laughs> yeah, we rolling these AKAs right on in here to ESPN. You deltas getting the back of the line. Y'all a little too dark for what we got going on these days. The Kari champion Maria Taylor era is over. We want some cream in this coffee. I don't, everybody over there can hate my guts. Catch me when I'm lying. I have, we are watching Brian Flores, who all he had to do was keep his mouth shut and he was going to get another head coaching job. If he didn't throw a little tantrum and feel this sense of entitlement, how dare the Miami Dolphins fire me the way they fired Adam Gase, Tony Sperano, Joe Philbin, and damn near every other coach that's ever come through there. How dare they? Here's this black general manager, assistant general manager, uh, defensive coordinator. The Dolphins set up the blackest organization in the NFL, and now their owner is racist. So you tell me why any other NFL owner would hop in bed with Brian Flores or anyone they thought might be the next Brian Flores? Because it does not matter What you do, you can be accused of racism. Bill Belichick puts this man on the map and he's taking a dump on Belichick? (coughs) Because of a decision the Giants made? How dare Bill Belichick use his influence uh, to help Brian Daball get a job and not uh, Brian Flores, how dare Tony Dungy use his influence to help Mike Tomlin, Herm Edwards, Lovey Smith get jobs? How dare he? Oh, oh, that's right. Tony Dungy's black and he uses his influence to help black coaches. That's what, He can do that. That's a good thing. But Bill Belichick, he can't help Brian Dabo. No, that's racist. Do these people even understand the game and how it's played? Do they have a code? Any, This is the problem when you are completely, completely disconnected from God. And I'm talking about all of these people. Every name I've dropped, they are disconnected from God. That's why they don't have a code. Their only code Is black and whatever the left tells them is black. That's not a code. Not a moral one. Not one that means, stands for anything. If you're not loyal, if you can't be counted on, if you can't be trusted. If I can't be transparent with you and know that oh, six months later from now, a year from now, when he don't like me, he's going to violate my trust and anything we discussed in private, he may air out. No respect, none for Brian Flores and his group of enablers. All right. I'm gonna fan this fire a bit more with uh, Delano on the other side of this. I done got hot up in here. My nose is running. Uh, I wanna tell you guys about my go-to doc. If you've been searching for a doctor online to help you out during this pandemic, someone you can trust, someone who isn't a prescription factory, someone who is an expert at treating COVID, someone who won't charge you an arm and a leg just to get treatment, you need to go to MyGoToDoc.com. You all have heard me talk about my recent battle with COVID and the Omicron variant. It may be weaker than the previous variant, but it's still tough. Many people right now are having a difficult time with it. High-risk patients need meds on hand so they can start treatment fast. Low-risk patients often benefit from off-label meds because they can prevent long-haul COVID, which can be debilitating. Dr. Saeed Hayter has created something wonderful over at MyGoToDoc.com. He's a COVID expert, this is all he does, and he's treated over 40,000 patients with zero deaths. With MyGoToDoc, You can register and ask questions for free. Plus, they connect you to pharmacies that ship to you a full 28 doses of ivermectin for less than $150. MyGoToDoc.com is your go-to source for COVID-19. I encourage you to check them out today. That's MyGoToDoc.com. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Dallas this time, but we're still going to be talking to the smartest man on the show, Delano Squires. Uh, Delano, welcome to the show. Delano's written a column about uh, Brian Flores' uh, plantation NFL analogy, but uh, I want to start, Delano, with the fire that I just mm-hmm. ignited and, and just ask you, do you think— Brian Flores' tactic here of this lawsuit and this media onslaught of interviews, do you think this is helping other black coaches or do you think it is potentially scaring uh, white ownership, other coaches? Like, whoa, I gotta be careful here. How
4: do I know if I'm not dealing with a Brian Flores? Mm, That's a great question, Jason. Um, I think it remains to be seen what the long-term impact will be. Um, I could see it going either of two directions. I mean, just, just given how, um, I guess, soft the NFL has been, and particularly with the commissioner, um, with Commissioner Goodell basically caving to whatever demand the players had, I could see a short-term uptick in black coaches being hired. Um, that doesn't mean necessarily that hearts and minds would have changed. It just means that they know that they have a, a tremendous PR problem on their hands and they want to do whatever they can in the, in the short term to fix it. But I think it's almost impossible for there not to be longer term impacts, unintended consequences of what Brian Flores did. And, and to your point, what which, which you're saying is the cost, n- not financial um, necessarily, uh, in terms of yearly salary, but the cost of hiring a black coach has just gone up significantly. And and actually, let me rephrase that. The cost of firing a black coach has just gone up significantly. So it's one of these things where now, as you said, if, if a team gets a guy, they realize after a year or year and a half or two years that he's not a good fit, they are going to feel a certain amount of pressure to not fire this person in order to not be in the same place that um the giants and the broncos and the dolphins are in right right now um there's there's another thing that i think may happen which is there may be an uptick in the hiring of black gms and and uh sort of upper level management to in some ways protect the team and the owner from accusations of racism because now you have a black middleman and you can say look the gm is the person who, you know, leads the coaching search. Yes, I sign off on it as the owner, but how can I be racist, right? The, the, I got a black GM, and, and, and I mean, Stephen Ross can say this because that's the case in Miami. Um, what that may end up doing is putting black GMs in a very difficult spot because let's say, I believe I, I read there's six black GMs. Let's say we got up to 12 or 15. There's going to be a lot of pressure on those GMs to hire black coaches and pressure on them to not fire black coaches so that they don't end up being cast as sellouts and turncoats and people who are not sufficiently loyal to the cause. So, I mean, again, it, it remains to be seen what the impacts are, but I definitely see a scenario in which teams shy away from hiring um, black coaches because of what Flores did. Not just the lawsuit, but to your point, this goes back to your to your firestarter. The the complete lack of loyalty that he showed to Bill Belichick, a person who everyone knows, Belichick barely likes even speaking at press conferences. So to the fact that you leak his private text messages and put that at the, the front of your lawsuit is the type of thing that I think certainly would make team shy away from Flores and, and potentially other black coaches as well.
0: Here's what has had I've seen in corporate America. And in, uh, particularly in the media for, what what ends up happening is you hire someone who's compromised Hmm. and you have the compromised information on them going into the hiring process. And you have total control of that person because you have the dirt on them. Hmm. And that's why, you, I, I'm not going to name names, and I know this show is called Fearless, and everyone loves when I name names, but I could go chapter and verse on why a lot of these people get these uh, jobs. They, they barely have command of the English language, they sound like idiots. You go, well, how'd they get that job? And it's because they're compromised, and th- there's enough dirt on them that the executives have control over them and can get rid of them at any time. And so what I could start seeing happening in terms, sometimes coaches don't work out and uh, you thought you had the right guy and then you get into it and you figure out, whoa, this guy, he can't deliver. And so what, what I, instead of letting someone go, what you may end up doing is airing out that person's dirty laundry, mm. uh, putting that person in some compromised situations on the job so that you always have these. If, if I need to get this person up out of here, well, I got such and such secretary or such and such uh, assistant who had a Difficult conversation or a, a harassing in in a relationship of some sort. And and again, because just we're talking about a bunch of former football players, uh, for the most part, that want to be these head coaches. A lot of them aren't buttoned up in their personal life. There's plenty of dirt to be had on these guys. And, and I'm not even – I wouldn't even put a color on that. That's any of these guys. But if you're someone that's a potential threat uh, like a Brian Flores, yeah, they're going to have some dirt on you and and you're going to get aired out on the way out the door. But but I I just I'm looking at there have been five coaches hired so far, none of them black. I think there's four more jobs still out there. If none get the job or only one get the job, I think. This Brian Flores situation Mm. has given people enough to be afraid of to say, I just don't know what the upside is, because even if I'm Stephen Ross and I got a black general manager, a black assistant general manager, you know, black employees everywhere, I can still get creamed by an irate black employee that felt like he was treated unfairly. And so I'd rather take the PR hit up front and get called racist up front mm. without any proof than uh, to get called racist on the way out the door because most of these coaches, regardless, they don't work out, they get fired. That, right. that's, that's part of what happens. With Bill Belichick
4: was fired. It, mm. it happens. I mean, I mean, even when, you know, uh, coaches are successful. I mean, Doug Peterson just got a job. He was the first coach to ever bring a title to Philadelphia. They got rid of him. Um, Harbaugh got fired. I mean, Jimmy Johnson gave Jerry Jones three titles. He got fired. I mean, It's it's one of those things where coaches, as you said, get, get hired um, and, and fired. But w- one of the things that I think you're seeing play out here is a, 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 a dynamic that exists in nature. It is an iron law in nature, which is – Weakness is always met with more aggression. And when the NFL started to cave and capitulate to players around the the Kaepernick stuff, the kneeling stuff, I mean, it got so bad that I remember LaShawn McCoy was doing calisthenics during the the national anthem and he just made himself look like a complete fool. And you could tell that the league was scared. I mean, Goodell is not a strong leader. And he not only does he not stand up to it, he joins in on some of these things using all the same buzzwords and euphemisms, never any specificity, always about inspiring change and radical change, and we need change. Nobody says specifically what the change should be or how we will go about making the change, but it's always change. And the players know that they have an advantage and they are pressing their advantage. And now the 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 coaches, or, or at least Brian Flores, because I, I do not want to paint with a broad brush, but Flores understands that um, he has the advantage and he's pressing that advantage and, I mean, all the other things that you know go, go along with his suit in terms of the, the language in it, the, the specific claims in it, um, the irony. And, and I brought this up on Twitter yesterday. And I'm, just to be, to be clear, I am for freedom of association. I think people who own businesses um, should be able to hire the people that they feel are best for those jobs. I'm not a, a proponent of discrimination, obviously, but there are a lot of reasons that people hire people that have nothing to do with um, that have nothing to do with discrimination. Um, you know, you may be a friend of the family, so nepotism is one, and that that goes for whites, blacks, and any other culture. Um, just, you know, a, alumni, we went to the same college, we run in the same circles, I coach with your dad, uh, I'm just more comfortable with a particular person, I share their vision, you know, for how you run an organization, there's, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, but one of the things that, that, you know, Flores has done, as I said, is he's, he's going to make it harder on the coaches who are coming behind him. But he, he understands the advantage that, that he has. And, and the irony, and I brought this up on Twitter, is that as he is filing a suit against the NFL, claiming that they are not giving uh, black coaches with the right credentials the opportunities to represent their organizations, he himself chose two white lawyers to bring a racial discrimination case. And I have to assume that there are at least two qualified black lawyers in in New York. Now, again, he can choose whatever he wants, but even when he makes a decision about how to spend his money and who he wants to represent his organization, Brian Flores, Inc., he makes the same exact decision as the NFL uh, owners that, that he's suing right now. So, I, I just, I think, again, it remains to be seen how this works let out. Me, let me add one more yeah. to that. <laughs> I hate to drag you. But again, the man made
0: it a call at home on who right. he was partnering with. And Betty Shabazz, nowhere to be found. Mm. These are decisions. And I'm not even knocking his decision. I've been there. I, I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it. But my God. When you are making the exact same decision, I love the point you made about the lawyers. I hadn't even thought of that, but it's it's a brilliant point. It's, hey, I want some representation right. to go out here and win this lawsuit for me. Damn, he made the same decision that uh,
4: Robert Kraft made when he hired <laughs> Bill Belichick. Exactly. It's, I mean, he could have called Ben Crump. You know he would have answered the phone. <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's it's and, and that's why when when he was on CBS and they asked him, why did you use this plantation, you know, analogy? Why do you compare the NFL to a plantation? He just, he stood there. He had no answer. He was a deer in headlights. And then I think he said, well, we didn't need to file a lawsuit for you for, to show that there's a problem. And part of me just wonders whether he came up with that language or whether his lawyers came up with that language. But as I said, either way, I think they understand the era in which we're in. And this is, this is the, um, you know, A, AG era, you know, after George. And I think everybody is playing the same racial games. And, and part of my contention in, in, in my column, which I think obviously dovetails perfectly with, with your Firestarter, is that the casual invocation of slavery segregation, lynching plantations by black millionaires for their own personal and financial pursuits is loathsome, despicable, contemptible behavior. And we have way too much of it. Flores is just the most recent iteration. Obviously, he got this playbook from Kaepernick, who in the the first part, in the first scene of his, you know, Netflix series, he compared the combine to a slavery auction. And you saw the, the guys coming off the field in their, in their shorts and then moving back into time with tattered pants on and chains around their, their uh, necks and on their wrists. And, and, and the, the slave master saying, hey, hey who, who wants this boy? He's big and strong. And I mean, this is, this is some really low, despicable stuff. And it, it is weak. It shows that these guys don't have a leg to stand on. Because the hotter the, the, the rhetoric when it comes to these situations, the, the smaller the argument. And that, that's why they're doing it. It's an emotional play because they know that uh, that part of the lawsuit will get retweets um, with, with, you know, fist in the air emojis from from black Twitter and the blue check crowd. But these are some of the same people that complain that white parents in suburban neighborhoods that they've never heard of want to whitewash and dismiss black history because they oppose CRT. But there's nothing that dismisses and diminishes black history, which obviously is American history, but nothing diminishes black history more than elite Negroes who are willing to defame it, to walk all over it uh, in pursuit of their own financial interests. And I, and I think it's, it's about time people start calling that out.
0: Uh, Delano, awesome stuff. I got to keep it moving. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Awesome job. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you again next week. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit those subscribes, hit those notifications. Give me the five-star review on Apple. Uh, This show has been on fire today and this week. It's going to get a little hotter because we're going to bring Shemok show, Shamika Michelle, on. Uh, I'm going to ask her about uh, Nick Cannon's eighth kid. Gonna lighten things up a little bit I, if we can. I don't know if Eighth Kid, if that can lighten it up. And I wanna hear her review on the uh, Bill Cosby documentary on Showtime. All that and more. Nurse! Uh, time to uh, bring in some Shamoke, uh, Shamika Michelle. Uh, we're gonna change it up, change gears a little bit. I'm gonna leave Brian Flores alone, alone for a hot second and talk with Shamika Michelle about the entertainer, singer, rapper, whatever actor. Nick Cannon. Uh, he's gonna try celibacy, uh, Shamika. He now has eight kids. Uh how about a vasectomy? How about how about that?
5: I, I totally agree. Actually he says his celibacy period is over. He almost made it to the new year, so it doesn't even seem like it it lasted very long. And with with Nick Cannon, he has already admitted that he doesn't have much time for his children and that he feels guilty about that. So if you already know that you don't have much time, I don't understand why you continue to make more children. I get that as a man, you feel like you're the provider, which you are, but I don't think that men understand that you provide more than just finances. You provide logic. You provide wisdom. You provide guidance. And if you don't have time, how can you provide these things? I want to know who's going to invest the time in his sons to tell his sons, don't be sowing your seeds all around if you can't stick around to water them and nurture them and make sure they grow. Who's going to tell his daughters, don't let some man just drop his seed off if he's not going to stick around to water it Uh, Nurture it and see it grow These are things that as a provider He needs to realize How important his role is And that would make him A protector So not only is he lacking time In being a provider He's lacking time in being a protector Because when you give your child When you provide your child wisdom For example You protect them in making foolish mistakes So I think that Nick needs to understand While he may make some beautiful kids with these you know supermodel chicks you are not you don't have the time to actually invest in them and he's already admitted that
0: I I am most bothered by his behavior but I could also understand why some people may be more bothered by the behavior of the women who know the guy's reputation and who, who can very easily say, uh, no raincoat, you don't get to play in the rain. Right. Uh, you know, but, but I primarily blame Nick Cannon. He's the most irresponsible person in all of this. But, but, you know, I'm wondering as a woman, do you have maybe lean a different direction and are more upset with the women?
5: You know, I've been told a lot that I'm very hard on women, and I agree, and I'm not gonna change. So I do think that the women have to hold some type of responsibility and accountability. He's not getting with 18-year-old kids. He's getting with full-grown adults. I think this last woman is 30 or 33. She's old enough to know by now, and she's seen his history, that he's not going to stick around. They're not, he's not even remarried. He hasn't even been it, interested in remarrying since Mariah Carey. And so these women know off gate that they're probably going to end up single moms. So I wonder, are you just thinking about a check or are you really thinking about the stability for your child? Because if this man is already a philanderer, you already see he's going to, you know, be a papa that's a Rolling Stone. Why do you continue to sign up and, and spread your legs and, like you said, play in the rain? I never heard that before without a raincoat. You already know this. He's already shown this. And so, yes, I do think they should definitely take responsibility because I think being a good parent starts at conception. If you are not in a position to provide the best for that child, You've already started off on the wrong foot.
0: All right, uh, I've meant to do it all week. I haven't gotten around to it. I'm going to do it this weekend. There's a Bill Cosby documentary, four-part series. Everybody's been talking about it. Who was the guy? Camu Camus Bell, or did I get that name right? He he's the producer or the director of it. Uh, I've heard you've watched it. Uh, is it worth watching? And what will be some of my takeaways? You can't spoil it for me. So just you can tell me whatever you want.
5: Okay. So I do think that it's worth watching. Again, it brings me back to me being hard on women. And Listen, I want to say that when it comes to having women take accountability, when I zone in on them, it does not equate to me excusing the man of responsibility. When it comes to what has happened with these women and Bill Cosby, when I tune in to the woman, I'm not excusing him. What I do believe, though, is it's a teachable moment for all women. So I'm not saying you know, excuse him. I'm saying take accountability also, be responsible as well. And what I've seen with a lot of these women, and again, it doesn't excuse whatever he did, but they do not take any accountability. And I think as a mother with three daughters, I think it is important that we teach our young girls if there's something that you want to do in life using your body, um or using sex is not the way to get it. You have to be a little wiser. If a man calls you to his dressing room or his hotel late at night, chances are you are not coming there to be mentored. Chances are he's not coming to help you with your acting at 11 and 12 o'clock at night. If someone offers you a drink and you don't drink, stand flat footed and say, I don't drink. If someone says, hey, take this pill so that you can relax, Do not take this pill. And so I just feel like in a lot of instances, we don't hold women accountable as well. But I will say that it gave me a peek into number one that, you know, Cliff Huxtable, which I already knew, is not the same as Bill Cosby, which I, I think it only made me a little bit more upset that we've allowed the legacy to be ruined just because we don't like the things that the man has done it doesn't take away how excellent Fat Albert was or how excellent The Cosby Show and A Different World was and I think that we as black people should stand up for some of the things that we know were instrumental in our lives in helping us. I've heard a lot of black people say a different world made me want to go to college well if you feel that way and you feel that it was instrumental why would you allow them to then make you feel like because Bill Cosby wasn't American dad, we should not be watching a different world or we should not be watching the Cosby show. Cliff Huxtable was America's dad, Bill Cosby, not necessarily. So I want us to learn how to divide the two. I want us to be able to separate someone's lack from their worth and realize he was a committed genius. He was a genius in the way that he put out things for the black community. And no matter what he did behind closed doors, I understand, you know, some of these women may be traumatized, maybe for a lifetime. But it does not take away from the good that he actually did. And I won't allow that to, to be my story or to repeat the things that they are saying about Bill Cosby. The Cosby show, A Different World, was great. And I would share it with my kids over and over again. And I don't think we should allow them to take that away from us.
0: So it sounds like the documentary did do a pretty compelling job of convincing you Bill Cosby behaved in a criminal fashion with women repeatedly.
5: I do think that he behaved inappropriately or irresponsibly. You know, if you are a man of power, and I think that he allowed his power and his money to to allow him to be manipulative to women. So um, I don't really, I don't think he's the monster that a lot of people have made him out to be, but I do think that his power and his money allow him to be manipulative to women, even if it's just to make them think, I can help you get in the door, I'm here, I can do this for you or I can do that for you, knowing that's not what you're really going to do. I think men, if you just wanna hit it and quit it, be honest, be open. Maybe back in that day, you know, women were a little more naive or you couldn't really tell them things up front. but I just don't think he was always honest with his intentions. You know, listening to some of these women and they weren't smart enough to to not be fooled, which is why I think it's a teachable moment. You know, if a man is telling you "Well, I want to help you, you know, you're not that good and he's telling you he's going to write you into the Cosby show. That's ridiculous. You're not even that great of an actor. You're a, a, a side piece for real. And I just think women need to be a little bit more smarter when it comes to things like this and they complain and say this is the industry it's misogynistic or it's patriarchal well it is what it is and if you continue to let yourself be used like that whose fault is it it's it's yours these weren't children that he was doing this to if these were like young kids 9 10 11 12 years old then i would say he's a monster but many of them were Over 20 years old, 24, 25, you allowed yourself to get played because you thought that you could use sex to get ahead, and you couldn't. So I think that, yes, Bill holds responsibility, but so do the women. Mm. All right. I'm
0: going to watch it this weekend, and we're going to talk about it again next week. I got a bunch of interesting thoughts, but I'm going to hold my tongue for now. All right. uh, Thank you, Shamika. Great job. Uh, Get your Fearless Army swag at ShopBlazeMedia.com. Get all that good swag that Uncle Jimmy wears. Uncle Jimmy's going to be right around the corner here uh, with our approval rating on Ryan Clark and his review of the show. We'll see what kind of Fearless (laughs) swag he has. Oh my God, I can honestly say this is the greatest moment of the day. It's Friday, it's the final segment, and and at the weekend. And and Jim's here. All here. Well, Jim, I'm excited that you're actually here.
6: Oh, damn. What? It was nice meeting you,
3: Corey. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. And it's Friday?
0: Yeah,
6: and it's Friday. Wait, what what Jason say D G I F stand for?
0: Thank God it's fried. Thank God it's fried. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I could use some Hattie Bees hot chicken. I could have you now now let me
6: ask you this when you tried Hattie Bees, did you have when you first tried, did you make the mistake and try the Hattie Bees spicy? No, I'm I'm always a mild man. Okay, that's great to say because boy, if you try the hattie bees spicy, try just cause you think you're a grown man, hey it it'll pull your card. You'd be like, (laughs) <laughs> honest the <to> goodness. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, what? Are, where are we going? I, first of all, I'm a, I want to say something hey, you that, 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 that you're going to you be mad at me about. It. Go ahead. Go and ahead. This is very un. I haven't been unchar- mad all week. Un- un- uncharacteristic. Very uncharacteristic. Man, you did a hell of a job today. You did a hell of a job today. I'm going to compliment you. You look good. And the reason I'm saying you did a hell of a job today, man, honestly, man, we was placing bets back there at the back to see if you was – at what point you was going to choke out and somebody was going to have to come and resuscitate <laughs> Yeah, hey, that, that right that, there. A little cough. <clears throat> honestly, though, man, you did good, man. I was proud of you.
0: Yeah, You know what? <clears throat> I think that uh, Firestarter may be one of my most uh, vicious – uh, I could get in a lot of trouble for that fire starter. I had to, some of these little, aka these little. Wait, African wait, wait, wait. Now, let, let me
6: remember. tell you about your fire starter yeah. behind
0: the scenes. Yeah. This,
6: this is this is what I don't. Behind the scenes, nobody hears this, and I got to tell you, man, I'm I'm beginning to worry about Delano. Why? Because when Delano first started, Delano was a meek, humble, cool dude. Yeah. Right. Did you did you pay attention to what Delano said before we went on the air? Uh, Did you leave anything for me to burn up, Jason? (laughs) Did you leave something for me, or or do I just got to put water on? (laughs) Damn, Delano, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And and then, man, now you got Delano cracking jokes. What what, what was this thing Delano said? Uh, The AG era? Really, Delano? The after George era? (laughs) You've been around Jason too damn long, man. Come on, man. Wait a minute, he said, hey, Jason, tell me something. Since he's calling lawyers... Why didn't he call Benjamin Crump? (laughs) I'm sure he would have (laughs) answered. See, Delano
0: been hanging around you too long. (laughs) Well, and that's a good thing because Delano brings out the best in me. He brings out the best, better half in me, and I bring out the bad boy in Delano. That's what we need. I guess. Combo. I guess, man.
6: I I don't know, man. I I I like Shamika always. Just. Shamika she, just does it. She, she, she just does she, she does what she does. But when I was listening to her analogy, and I don't know if you realize it, she talked about Nick Cannon, and then she went into Bill Cosby, right? And I realized, you don't realize it right now, but we talking about Nick Cannon and all these babies, you do realize that in about 30 years, Nick Cannon, will be talking about the Nick Cannon story and him getting put in prison for all these women. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they all come out, they'll tell the story.
0: Oh, <laughs> the I did it was because he drugged me. He gave me fentanyl. <laughs> I don't know if I should be laughing at that. I got, there's a bunch of stuff I do want to say about Bill Cosby. I, I've never been someone that's been overly sympathetic towards Bill Cosby because I find what he did so easily avoidable. And again, when you have that kind of wealth and power... I don't understand why you need drugs. There's the greatest aphrodisiac has Ben Franklin's picture on it, and he had a lot of them. And so I, I, it's just his behavior never made sense to me to even put himself in position to have these allegations. And if a bunch of women had come out and said, man, Bill, I walked into his hotel room, and Bill just threw a bunch of $100 bills at me. Did you pick him up? (laughs) Literally, I'd be like, hmm, I could see how he could make that mistake. How he could make the mistake of almost put drugs, Quaaludes, I I just, that's mind blowing to me. And what happens, and this is why I'm glad I got money, but I only got so much money. Because something happens to me in my view, to some black people, they get a certain level of money and they forget who they are. Where they came from. To. And where they came. And like that's I listen to Bill, what these accusations against Bill Cosby. I'm just like, how does a black man make this mistake? How? Where's your paranoia? Where where, where seriously, where is it? And
6: and uh, you make the mistake because you get out your lane. You forget where you are. Just like you said earlier, you, you talked about it. You talked about it with the coaches. I mean, be honest, man. What did you say? You said that that in, in Hollywood, in this industry, they'll find out your secrets. They know what your secrets are. They take your secrets. They keep your secrets, and they got a stockpile of everything you did up there. When the time comes, what did you say earlier? They'll pull them sheep. They'll, they'll pull them out. They'll pull them tapes out. Bam. That's what happened. That's what happened to Bill Cosby. On Bill Cosby, uh, the thing, to me, that sticks out with Bill Cosby is what you told me. You told me a long time ago, what did you tell me? What's the most powerful thing in the world? Tears of a young white woman. The tears of a white woman. That's the most powerful thing in the world. Bill Cosby fell victim to that. He found out what happens. And what, what, what did you also teach me? Ain't no black man in the world ever got in trouble for not speaking to a white woman. If Bill wouldn't have spoke to him, <laughs>
0: But there were some black women involved in this thing, too, with Bill, but I hear what you're saying. I don't think they spoke up.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I think they had a, woman a Only one. reason they spoke up because they couldn't get
0: in the R. Kelly video.
6: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> that was wrong. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Let's, yeah, let's do the approval rating and get, get out of here. Come on, man. Uh, start our weekend. Uh, Jim, you requested Ryan Clark as the approval rating topic. You got, you got some more smoke you want to unload his way? I saw you put out a little video yesterday and uh, put, put his name on the tweet. Well, let,
6: let, let's just start from Wednesday show. Let, let, can we just roll it first? Oh, okay. You let's got just... a little... Well, no, I just want to show so people All know right. what we're talking about.
7: Alright, go ahead. Can we just roll this? Good enough to fail in Denver, take a job, then not take a job, but then be the guy who's the lead for the Las Vegas Raiders. We've also seen guys like Hugh Jackson, who I actually got an opportunity to interview last week that'll be out tomorrow on the Pivot, talk about the way that he succeeded in Oakland and then wasn't supported there and fired, and then he goes to Cleveland and wasn't supported there in his efforts to make a better team. And there's story after story like this. But now Brian Flores has pulled back the curtain and in pulling back the curtain, he'll show that there is disparities, that there is differences, that people aren't treated the same and that the playing field is not leveled. When you look at the number of coaches who are fired and hired, it's always more white coaches than black. And then when you look at the league, you always see more minority and black players than white. It's no different than what he's talking about on plantations. They just get paid a little bit more.
0: Go ahead. That's your guy rambling off of the mouth, and he ends with, you know, ain't
6: nothing. Once again, we we, we on this whole slavery analogy. Yeah. You know, this man sitting up here, multimillionaire, beautiful family, wife and kids, but he being treated like a slave. You know what would happen with that beautiful wife if he was a slave?
0: She'd be somebody's belly warmer, massa Reynolds, probably. You know what happened? You, you know what happened with them
6: with, with them fine, big, strong, Roebuck boys is sold to another plantation. If he was if he was such a slave, you know. But anyway, man. Let's keep rolling. Let's roll, man. I, that's my point, man. I got a problem with that. I got a problem. And honestly, man, okay, can I roll? Can I go with this? Please. Let me ask you this, Jason. Yeah. And I'm going to get in trouble for this because I didn't ask you this up front. Whoopi Goldberg had to apologize about a comment that she made, Right. Are you aware of this? Yeah. Okay. yeah she, made a, she made a comment that she had and she had to apologize for it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, why is it that nobody's making Ryan Clark and these athletes apologize for their stupid ass comments regarding slavery? Why is nobody holding people accountable for these acidine slavery comments? You can't make acidine comments about that other event, can you? But if we keep doing it to ourselves... We keep on downplaying it and diminishing it. Why in the hell should anybody else take it seriously?
0: Jim, you're making an excellent point. Come on, man, let's roll. Literally, I mean, the, the stupidity of, and again, Brian Flores started, him and his little white lawyers, NFL's like, uh, run just like a plantation, and then Ryan Clark hops on in right along with it.
6: Okay, so t- tell me this. So at some point or another with the young... Slaves in Africa, they held up. They had said, We're having slavery tryouts. <laughs> they said, we having tryouts over here in boat number two.
0: <laughs> they had a combine, I think. Okay, but I'm saying, is Kunta that Kente. what happened? Kunta Kinte was discovered at a combine. Come on, man, let's roll. Let, let, let's do this, man. He ran a 4240 when he was being chased by an antelope. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man.
6: Let's, let's go, man. Let's do this, man. Ryan Clark, man. Let's do this approval rating.
0: Uh, job performance. Uh, I'm going to give him a 10. Sometimes when he talks football and he's with Dan Orlovsky or whatever, he sounds pretty good, (laughs) but there's not enough of that. He thinks he's some sort of spokesman for racial issues. So I give him a 10 in job performance. I give him a 25. What's his job?
6: He's a mouthpiece for the media. (laughs) He's, he's, He's paid to do what he does. That's what he does. Stir doo-doo. That's what he is. He's the mouthpiece. He says what others won't. Come on, man.
0: Uh, character, I have him low in character. He's, you know, I'm still bothered about him crying on TV because uh, some white woman called his son the N-word. Look uh, I here, give
6: man. Three in character. Look, I give him a 25. I give him 25. He's a character. Those tears, that was just a character. He's a rapper. He's, he's a studio rapper that's acting like he's a gangster. You know, he, he ain't really about that life. He's a studio civil activist. He's a media martyr. You know what I'm saying? He ain't really about that life, man.
0: (laughs) Uh, Authenticity. I don't find him very authentic. Uh, I give him a two in authenticity. I give him a six.
6: Because I really can't believe that a brother that has this dude's values, he's a family man. And he's smart. I can't believe he would spew some of the dumb shit that he does. Also, also, let me just say this real quickly. You do realize that Ryan Clark is the dude who called me Uncle Jimmy a racist because of my Deshaun Watson tape. Ryan Clark? Ryan Clark is the dude that called me a racist because of Deshaun Watson. Where's that tweet at, man? Ryan Clark? Ryan Clark is the one. I'm going to start right there. I'm going to start calling him the Black Becky. Look at that tweet. Look what it said. Do I have that on a card so I can actually? I'm going to tell you exactly what it says. He told Emmanuel Alcho, he said, you need to have an uncomfortable conversation with Uncle Jimmy. I guess having Uncle Ruckus on the boondocks wasn't enough. We had to give him a bigger stage to perpetuate stereotypes that are those who oppose our advancement and use as generosities to our reality. Remember that? You forgot that was the dude who said that, huh? Which then led to, which then led to uh, the Robert Latwell tweet that said, uh, and remember Deshaun Watson's agent, because you hit me to this, David Magaluga,
0: remember? David Mulligata. Yeah,
6: and ESPN's Ryan Clark calls out FS1 for airing racist propaganda Uncle Jimmy segment against Watson. Remember that? Oh, I didn't realize that Ryan Clark. See, here was the catch to that, though. Remember, that was like two weeks before the whole Deshaun Watson scandal came out. See, this dude set up here and everybody else caped up for Deshaun Watson early in Deshaun Watson's career when he was trying to get out. But we didn't know. We didn't know these allegations about it. We caped up for him, you know, and you set up here and this is what you was talking about Flores about. And this is my problem when we talking about this, this Ryan Clark. Hey man, you do things, thinking about yourself, thinking about what you do. You don't think about the people that you affect afterwards. You don't think about the black people that you affect afterwards. Cause this man hard down called for my job, okay? But you know what? He want people to have, have sympathy for him cause he got sickle cell. Who else got sickle cell, Jason? Who else got sickle cell? Your son. My 12 year old son got sickle cell. But no, nah, your ass want me to lose my job, damn my family, because of what you say, you call me a racist. Him calling me a racist is like when I was a cop and I stopped a black person for not having tags and excessive tinted windows. You only stop me because I'm black. You sound like a damn fool. I'm sorry, man.
0: I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out what, how I'm the one that has Ryan Clark as a dumpster fire, a 30 overall. I'm just kidding, it factor. I got him at 15. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we forgot. We ain't even. No, no. But I understand. I, how you got even candle lit
6: after all that? Because I give the man credit, the man's doing his job. You don't know what you don't know. And right now, man, you don't even realize, man, right now you think, these young people, man, they think they know everything. They think they know, cause you got a million dollars. You just don't know what you don't know. You know, honest to God, man, I'm 60 years old. My grandfather's father probably was a slave. I'm a lot closer to slavery than these kids are. So it's a lot, it's real easy to talk about something that you may not know, but you know, you you think you smart. No, you don't know. And due to the fact that you don't know, you know what they say in life about if you don't realize and recognize something, you destined to repeat it. So these idiots out here that's running this show, trying to act like they know what's going on. Hey man, you 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 got us set up for something bad, man. Completely. You out here being a mouthpiece for the media, talking about our what, what our people. You 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 saying what's racist? Come on, man, you you being used. You being hoodwinked. You being bamboozled. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, kid. I'm done. I'm sorry, kid. <laughs>
5: For the right sign, Looking like it's my time Feeling all kinds of freedom These words are our religion Our regrets and our decisions We all want to go to heaven with freedom It's my obligation No hate, discrimination Raising up your hands for freedom Raise up your hands for freedom I just want I wanna be I just want I wanna be I just want I wanna be I just want